0: Hello and welcome to The Thread, a nonprofit ministry, television show, and now podcast that shines a light on community and those that thread us all together. Each episode, you'll hear from co-host Rick Hensel of Spot Content Studio and The Thread's very own Timmy Zell. Here they are. Okay, welcome back to The Thread podcast. We're here to talk today just a little bit about um, you, Tim. Um, a lot of people, I've been. first of all, our relationship, how long have we been friends?
1: Twenty-one years. Yeah,
0: you told me that the other day. It's hard to believe, right? When did you? Our
1: friendship is legal.
0: <laughs> We're in many states. <laughs> where? Um. What did you? What year did you start at Fox Two?
1: I started in nineteen ninety-eight, July of
0: ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Oh my gosh, Not even two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, ninety-eight. Uh-huh. Like in the nineteen hundreds.
0: Yeah, I remember <laughs> when you came in. Uh, Rick Erbach, our news director at the time, said he's a little bit different, so we thought we'd put you with him. I didn't know that was a compliment or...
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting. You know, I I was at a station in Panama City, Florida, and I had been a weekend sports anchor for a year, and I did a bunch of goofy stuff on sports, like... um, recreating the Tyson Holyfield fight on my Sega Genesis <laughs> and running the highlights because <laughs> all they gave you was those still frames nobody wants to see that well don't give
0: that too much up because that, that's part of what I thought we could talk about today is just your road to St. Louis
1: okay sure
0: so um you you got to St. Louis in uh 1998 98. but where'd you grow up at I grew up in Fort Worth Texas outside of Dallas right right that's where it is <laughs> Dallas still, is a center of Fort Worth,
1: <laughs> we like to say. The Ford is where it's at. Right. Um, but yeah, I grew up there. Um, Were you born there? Born and raised. Born and raised. My father was a seminary professor uh, when I was growing up and pastor, and my mom was a school teacher.
0: To what grade, what grade school did you go to?
1: I went to South Hills Elementary School, then I went to McLean Middle School, and then I went to R.L. Pasco High School, home with the Panthers.
0: And is that where you met your, is that where you kind of formed your gang, your crew?
1: Yeah, that's... Because that we're going to talk about
0: these cast of characters that I've heard over the yeah, oh, yeah. 21 years.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that's where we had our, uh, our crew, as we like to call it, the IGHP.
0: <laughs> there The it is.
1: International Grand Hills Posse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we were one tough crew. All right. Give we had me, hats. G- <laughs> g- give <laughs> me some of the names. What were the names?
1: Uh, Hogan's, uh, Special K, Fresh, uh, Pookie. Uh, there's a bunch of... face. We had a we had a whole cast of characters, and you're still good friends with them today. Yeah, yeah we it, we had a really unique class in the sense that we were all very very tight, and we did things together as a group. It wasn't a lot of it wasn't a lot of uh, cliques. It was a, a really tight class as a whole. Right, big good group of guys.
0: I do remember a story though. Jumping, we we went, went a little fast here. You grew up wanting to be a what? Garbage man. Because you wanted to hang off the back? Yeah, I wanted to hang. I used to get up on Saturday mornings when I was little
1: and I'd get out there and wait for the garbage man and when he'd pull up to our house, I'd always go, crunch it! Because I wanted him to crush the trash and compact it so I could see it. So one year, my dad and his friend drove all over Fort Worth because all I wanted for my birthday was a garbage truck and they like trying to find one at <laughs> like toy Toys truck? R Us and it's like they finally found
0: one. Your, didn't your mom say something about your career being a garbage truck? Like, like it still is maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: you did. You kind of made it.
0: Right. So okay, you grew up in Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, had a pretty wild high school life. Yeah,
1: so in second grade we did a trip to New Jersey where my dad did a sabbatical at the university there and uh, that was great I got to meet I, I hung out at the governor's mansion all the time
0: well did you didn't you live there for a little bit one year yeah one year okay we,
1: we lived there for a whole year and I became I was in class in school with Billy Byrne who was the, <laughs> the governor's son so I ended up getting invited to your the, name
0: drop it I'm not <laughs> no, Billy, Billy Byrne, Byrne. Okay.
1: But, yeah. but I used to get to go to the mansion all the time and right. like uh, I had a birthday party and uh, I got sick and had to cancel the party so my mom had to call the governor's mansion and all the state troopers knew me
0: because we used to play football with the state with troopers. Billy Byrne? <laughs>
1: yeah. And <then> like, <laughs> uh, Timmy's sick. Oh my gosh, Timmy's sick. He can't have his birthday party. Well,
0: So you're there for a year. There for a year. Came back. Um, Came back to the same house, or, same
1: house, same everything. So it
0: was just us about. You had only just had to do it a for year. a year.
1: Yep, okay. just there for a year, which was a great experience, you know. And my sister was determined not to lose her Southern Texas accent. I was say,
0: how was? it? I mean, were you looking forward to it, or did it? Did you not like it, or?
1: It was really cool. I just talked to my mom about it yesterday. It was. We got to do a lot of things, you know. Yeah. Like we'd go to New York uh, when we had time off from school. We went to Niagara Falls. We went to Philadelphia. We would get to do a lot of things that we wouldn't have got to do in Texas. So. Right. It was really good. Because Texas, you don't
0: leave Texas because it's. Because you can't leave Texas. You can drive all day and you're still in Texas. (laughs) It's its own country down there. It is. It's a whole
1: other country. But yeah, we um, then finished elementary school, middle school. And when I was in uh, seventh grade, my parents separated. And in eighth grade, they divorced. And my dad moved out of the house.
0: Did your dad then move? Where did he move to?
1: He was just in Arlington, Texas, which is not far. Another suburb of. Another suburb of Fort Worth. (laughs) Okay. So, um, how was that? I mean, growing up? That was uh, tough for me because, uh, so I grew up in a, in a, in a house that was um, grounded in our faith, um, went to church on a regular basis. Uh, and your dad was a minister at the time? My dad right? was a pastor. We, you know, read the word in the house, um, had a strong background in that. And then when my dad moved out of the house, it was kind of like the spiritual leader of the house moved out of the house. And I got angry. Did you feel
0: that the spirit? spiritual part of it did leave the house?
1: I felt like my commitment left the house. Like right. I got mad at God and I'm like, if you're going to do this to me, why am I going to try to walk this path? I'm going to do it my own way. Right. It's kind of what my thought process was. And I did. I mean, every I just walked my own path and uh, began to drink. First time I ever drank in eighth grade, I blacked out. And that was became a a pattern for me throughout. If you're gonna my, go go big. Yeah, well, and that's what I did. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yep. Uh, I blacked out that first night, and then that became a regular thing, a regular occurrence where I would wake up in strange places with strange people that I didn't know, wondering how I got there. Right. Um, And being afraid to answer the phone. You had that fear. Because You told me you had
0: that in college. Was that in high school too? High school
1: too, yeah. I'm afraid when the phone rang, is somebody going to call and tell me what I did or who I harmed that I don't
0: remember? But you, I mean, even through, if you want to call it your rough time, you made lots of good friends.
1: Made great friends.
0: Made great grades. I graduated with more than a 4.0
1: grade average. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we won't try to do that formula yeah, how go, that, know, go figure that out i mean you made a good um you just told me a story about a year ago where you went back for um was it somebody's wedding and you or was it somebody's funeral a Both. girl who she let you drive their car
1: yeah when i for spring break we went to uh, padre island in texas which is a huge you know spring break destination uh, and yeah tracy tracy traver was a very good friend of mine um we were very close, and her mom was super invested in us.
0: Like, was she a single mom? No, uh, no.
1: but she would co- she would invest in us when we we'd come over there, and we'd tell her. And even when I go to her, and she knew I was she knew I was as I say she wild, knew where you were at. But she would also call you. She called you to be more. Like she always knew that your potential was more, and she made made sure you know that. But
0: yeah, she gave me. But you didn't know this at the time, right?
1: I, I knew it. Really? I knew, it and I knew how much she cared about me. You know, and that's why that's why we'd share everything with her. But she she gave me a, a senior year. I didn't have enough money to buy a plane ticket to get us to Padre Island, but she said, "I want a car while I'm down there." So here's my mobile gas card and the keys to my Hyundai. Go ahead, <laughs> you're driving it, and me and two other guys wow. drove thirteen and a half hours to Padre Island and back <laughs> with Is her. Is not Padre just on the other side of Texas? It's down. It's it's down by by Mexico. It's down right. by. Yeah, but you're Matt and t- Morris, that's, that's where we crossed over and right. crossed the border.
0: Just thought it was like right there. But no, I, nothing's right
1: there in, in Texas. Texas. We right. drove all day and we never crossed the state line.
0: So even though you were in this spot going through high school, you were you still made great contacts with people, yeah. you made great friends, Yep, um, met people who kind of touched you all the way through life. Um, I know some about your college career, so you moved on. You gra- Was there anybody else you think in high school that might have touched you a little bit? Coach Dansby? my basketball coach, yeah.
1: uh, he was a real father figure for me when I didn't have one at home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he knew
0: what was going on. You think?
1: Oh, he knew. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I still, I called him on father's day. You know, I just tell him thanks for,
0: you still do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, um, yeah, he was, he was a big influence for me. And one more thing before we leave Tracy's mom, when I yeah. did, when I did her, uh, her funeral, Tracy Asked me to come and speak at it, that and, was, okay. which was a huge honor. Um, when she gave me that car to take to Padre Island, she said she wanted a car down there. In my heart of hearts, I think it's it really. She just wanted me to be able to go down there.
0: Sure. Did she even use the car? You think when you're done there?
1: Little, but right. I think the main point was I'm going to get you there. Right.
0: Not to leave you out.
1: And she called me to be more than I was by giving me that responsibility that I did not earn.
0: Right. And you, and you weren't even thinking that at the time.
1: Probably. No, no. But I look back on it now. I'm like, you gave. I mean. Rick, yeah. you know my sense of direction. Would you give me the keys to your car now? I, I wouldn't
0: even say sense of direction. It's your driving style that I would be questioning. <laughs> you
1: wouldn't give me your keys now.
0: Now imagine. I, we don't really hear around spot. We, imagine we'll 18. we just pick or... you up, Tim. We'll be, we'll be fine. That's right. All right. No, I mean, because you, I think these people help, just like anybody else, but help. Create who the person you are. Sure, and people always ask me, you know, what's Tim like? Well, this is what this podcast is going to be today.
1: You know, these are people I I know. I
0: know exactly. (laughs) So, anyway, we graduate high school, then we go to. Then I go to LSU.
1: So, which was my dream. My whole family went to LSU. My mom's from Baton Rouge. My dad's from Greenville, Mississippi. They met at LSU. Uh, My dad was the first member of his family to be able to go to college because he got a scholarship to be a trainer uh, at LSU, an athletic trainer. Uh, his high school coach had gotten a job at LSU and recommended my father to Dr. Martin J. Broussard, who was the head trainer at LSU. Right, that's a whole nother one. whole another story. Yep. But uh, my dad went there. My uncle Billy played quarterback at LSU. My uncle Andy was a trainer at LSU. And so, so did,
0: I, is that the only place you were going to go, or were you thinking about going? Anywhere I, else? I sent
1: my I sent my uh, SAT and SAT, SAT scores to uh, Princeton. <laughs> Sorry. Just for kicks, uh, <laughs> Louisiana Tech, because my dad was living in Ruston, Louisiana at the time, and what else is it, like Georgetown, I think, because I was going to play basketball. basketball.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Not for the academia. Right. right.
1: Well, I went to LSU for the academics. Yeah, right. Princeton would have been a party school. I went to LSU. For... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I knew that's where I wanted to go since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. So, I mean, it was always a dream, and it was everything I thought it was going to be. So, freshman year, good? No. Well, <laughs> not really. Uh, I got there my freshman year. It's, school came easy to me in high school. I mentioned my grade average. I, I used to make sure, one thing I was good at is I'd get my schoolwork done and then move on mm-hmm. when I was in high school. I just moved on in college <laughs> without the schoolwork. <laughs> I made a 1.5 GPA my first semester. And my dad's like, if you want to go back, that ain't happening again.
0: Was that the bee story?
1: Oh, yeah. That was, that was the bees. So my dad raised bees as well. And he took me, after that semester of ill repute, <laughs> uh, my, he took me out to see the bees and it was raining this day. And he says, now you don't want to get in their flight pattern because the bees are angry when they can't work. Because I was going to school and I didn't have a job either. All I was, right. all, my only job was going to school. And he's like, you know, bees get angry when you can't work. So you don't want to get in their flight pattern. You know, we should all take a lesson from the bees. We should be angry when we can't work. And I'm like, well, bam, there's a a I got two-month war. That was a subtle pastoral lesson right there. But uh, I got the message. Um, And ironically enough, when I got back to school for the next semester or the next year, actually – Doctor Broussard called my father, which was huge.
0: Okay, okay. So how do you we did okay? What did we do second semester? Oh, I got a three
1: five. Because really? I, I wasn't going back to school if I didn't get it up. I've killed that sucker. Are you still in the fraternity at that point? I was still in a fraternity at that point. And then I go back for my sophomore year and Dr. Broussard has called my father and asked me to come see him. And he is the one he is the athletic trainer at LSU, the head of athletic training who had given my dad a job back in the fifties. When he was there, okay. And so here's the deal. They had not spoken in years. Dr. Broussard was mad at my father because my father was, was Doc's guy, man. I mean, he right. gave him the keys to his car to take dates. He was going to be the one <laughs> that he was going to live through. My dad was supposed to go to medical school at Mississippi State. And he, How do you say it? Mississippi State. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to go to Mississippi State for med school. And Dr. Broussard never got his MD. He was an athletic trainer, but he was going to live that out through my dad and was wow. proud of what he was going to do. Well, then my dad got the call into the ministry and decided not to, and my Dr. I was very angry at my father.
0: And they didn't talk for how many years? Years.
1: Yeah, We went and visited Doc my junior year of high school when LSU was in the Final Four in Dallas, and they were cordial, but it's still not Great. what it was. For him to call my dad, that's what my dad said, he's forgiven me. And he said, is your son still in school? My dad said, yes. And he says, I need another trainer. And dad said, get down there. Right. And I didn't want it that was no. Because that was messing up my, my game.
0: Right, you your know, drink I was on. running
1: things. My party was going on. Uh-huh. Uh, and it turned out to be the biggest blessing, of course, of my life, uh, one, of, one of the biggest blessings of my life. And once I got in there, um, I made amazing friends. Um, Dr. Broussard became like a, a grandfather or father to me. And, and to be able to work for the same man my father did, Right. gosh. I and mean, Same values. Was, yeah, absolutely. And Doc, Doc told me he said, "Now Timothy, there it is. You do what I say, and you'll be good. You cross me, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you out now." I'm like,
0: "Okay, Doc." I, I've heard a lot of Doc Brouchard's, uh stories over the years. The best though is when you had to go visit him in the hospital
1: <laughs> with the blood.
0: I think so, oh Timothy.
1: When when he, when we went, and he was in. He, he thought did, he was dying. Yeah, and he had needed blood given, and we walked in, and uh, somebody said, "Oh, doc, you got? I see you got some E cells coming to give you blood in, in Abbeville, Louisiana, where you grew up. You just get that dog blood." And he goes, "It's about the same. <laughs> that E blood's about the same." Yeah. He was uh, he was a gym man, uh, but invested in me, and yep. I was the only athletic trainer that was majoring in journalism. Okay, the rest were all in pre-med, pre-med or, or, or physical therapy, and here I am. So he'd always go, Timothy, that's the right foot, that's the left foot. You got that yet? He's in journalism, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me grief all the time. Yeah, Doc, I got it.
0: And then uh, Coach
1: Brown? Coach Brown was awesome. Uh, Coach Dale Brown, known for his motivation. Uh, just... Uh, just a, a great man to be around, um, motivated players like none other. And, um, I stayed in contact with him through the years as
0: well. Right. And Shaq was there at the time and who else?
1: So Chris Jackson was there my first year. Chris Jackson, unbelievable talent, like the best I've ever seen on a day-to-day basis. Just, he'd do things in practice every way, you know, six one, six two. 6'2". He was, he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. I mean, just could fill mm. it up from anywhere. And then Shaq came the next year, um, mm-hmm. uh, He needs no introduction, you know, Shaquille O'Neal.
0: No, but I think even even though they're not in a father figure, you learn from those guys.
1: Oh man, I'll tell you a great story about Chris Jackson that has stuck with me for years. Chris Jackson, um, he he was kind of a a loner. He stayed in his room a lot uh, and kept to himself. Read his Bible a lot, Um, but I had keys to the gym, so he'd come to me and say, "Hey, can we go shoot? I need to shoot." So we'd go and we'd play horse or something, and he he'd play left handed and still wear me out. He was he was so good, and uh, so he was he left after his sophomore year, went pro. He was the third overall pick in the NBA draft. He broke the freshman scoring records left and right, right. Um, just amazing, amazing talent. Scored fifty three points his first SEC game uh, as a freshman, uh, but when he left, you know I'd spent two years with him. Uh, a, a couple years later, I was back at home working the night shift at Walmart and loading trucks and I saw he was in town to play the Mavericks. And I said, I'm gonna go see him. And I called the hotel and they put me right through. When would that happen now, right? I'm like, can I have Chris Jackson's room? And they put me right through and I said, man, I'm gonna come see you tonight. And he goes, oh man, come by the locker room and say, hey. So I did and he said, I went to the locker room after the game and uh, my girlfriend at the time and a friend of mine from high school had been at the game and he said, why don't y'all meet me over at the hotel in the lobby, and so we did, and he came down dressed to the nines like he was gonna go out for the night, and I said, um, hey man, I don't wanna hold you, we visited for about 20 minutes, I told him what I was doing, and I said, man, I don't wanna hold you up, you look like you're ready to go, he goes, no man, uh, call me. When you get home, call me, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, dude, you're about to go out for the night, don't worry about it. He said, no, you call me, I'll be waiting on your call. Now, I got a 35, 40 minute drive back home from Dallas to Fort Worth, and the whole time, I'm thinking, "What? You know, third overall pick in the draft, Doing what? What does he need to talk to me about? And I get home and I call him, sure enough, he answers the phone and he says, so how you doing? I'm like, I'm good, man. You know, I said, uh, you know, something will happen. I'm, I'm just waiting on uh, an opportunity in television. And he says, so can I help you? And I said, oh man, no, I'm good. And he goes, you know what I mean? He wanted to give me money. money. And I said, dude, that's not why I called you. I just want to see a familiar face and support you in what you're doing. And Great. he goes, here's my number, write it down if you need anything, call me.
0: You ever see him since then?
1: I haven't, but here's what. I, but here's my hope. I, I'm hopeful that I'll get to see him. They're gonna induct him into the LSU Basketball Hall of Fame this year at one of the games, and I'm trying to go back for it. Oh, you should. So I can see him. Yeah. Um, uh, if, for those who don't know Chris Jackson, he um, when he got a third year or so, second and third year in the NBA, uh, became a Muslim. Yep. Uh, Changed his name, right? Uh, Mahmoud abdul rove yep. And was um, in the whole uh, national anthem scandal when he didn't stand up. Got blackballed in the NBA. Didn't see him again. Yep. He's playing now in the three-on-three league that Ice Cube started. He does? Lead scoring. I mean, he's... <laughs> I, I, I ran into a Harlem Globetrotter a few years after, a f- several years ago, who told me the toughest guy he ever had to guard was Chris Jackson oh, when he bad. tried out for the Globetrotters. And he said... Chris Jackson to... tried out for <laughs> Yeah, he did. And and he said he, he just didn't want to work that hard because oh. the Globetrotters, they see, you see a silly show, but they work hard. Right. And the guy walked up to Chris and goes, man... Uh, Chris walked up to him after the game and said, Man, great game. He goes, Great game. You scored forty points on I me. And he said, Yeah, but I really had to work for it. <laughs> but but I've never I'll never forget that act of kindness and the way he after just two years with him yep. to reach out to me in that way. I'll never I'll never forget it. Blown away.
0: Okay, so uh the the person I probably might have touched, touched you touched the most in uh college, I think might have been your uncle.
1: Oh, absolutely. Think so? Yeah, absolutely. My uncle Andy. Um God God has a, a, a crazy way of working things out. So I told you about my alcoholism yep. and uh, that went on through college. And um, another night I woke up in a strange place with strange people, my car outside, never remember driving there. And I just hit this bottom. I hit this point where I was like, I know I can't go on living with alcohol and I don't know how to live without it. Right. What do I do? Well, my uncle Andy had just moved back to Baton Rouge from California. He's an attorney and he was going through a divorce and he had just moved back to Baton Rouge, and he had two years sobriety. Wow. And I called him up, and he took me to an AA meeting that next morning, and that was November 3rd, 1991. Really? And I've been sober ever since. And my uncle became my running buddy. Yeah. You know, because I, I tell the story of when that first weekend after I was sober, I, since I was an athletic trainer, I got to go through the athletic pass gate for football games, and I always sat in the student section where students did student things and I knew I couldn't go back and sit there
0: right the temptation
1: yeah the temptation was too much and I walk in that stadium and I just froze I didn't know what to do I didn't know where to go right and one of the basketball coaches walks in and he says uh Tim what are you doing I'm like I don't know and he said do you not have a seat and I said no and he said come sit with me I got an extra ticket and that was the first time in years that I'd watched a football game and enjoyed it just for the event and mm-hmm. not the party around it. And I'll never forget that act of kindness either. I mean, how God put him in my place. But my uncle became my safe spot. He was in the same boat I was. Right. And we both supported each other. He was going through his hard time with the divorce and I was going through my hard time in initial sobriety. And we were able to... Was that each your, other.
0: about your junior year?
1: That was my senior year. Oh, your senior year. And we would, my dad lived in New Orleans at the time. So he and I would always go on the weekends, let's go to dad's, let's right. go to dad's, that's a town. safe place, yeah, right. let's go to dad's, and we would just hang out and have so much fun together and uh, enjoy the drive 72 miles yeah. to and from. Um,
0: Not much to do in a car anymore. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Talk it out. That's it, and, and uh, so my uncle was a, God puts angels in your path at certain times, right. and my uncle was completely unaware of the angel he was in my life at that time.
0: Right, or vice versa.
1: Or vice versa. Yeah, and we have we still have a relationship now that is uh, so special. Wow. I
0: value it. Okay, so senior year gets by. Do you, you graduate in four years?
1: Five. I took all the right. victory right, lap. <laughs> all
0: right. We got fifth year with that. Yeah, but here's the cool <laughs> deal. So
1: that last semester, I, I tried to graduate early, and I went to my counselor, and they're like, you have a prerequisite. You can't take it, this course with this other one. I'm like, but it's all I need to graduate. Right. And they're like, well, you know, sorry, you can't do it. I said, so I got to come back And she said, well, as long as you're taking all you need to graduate, you're considered full-time. Because I said, I'm on a scholarship. If I'm not full-time, I don't get my scholarship. And they said, as long as you're fulfilling commitments for graduation. And I said, wait a minute. You mean I can take this one class in this last semester and still get my scholarship? That's right. I'm like, Psh You had one class? One class, and it (laughs) met on Thursday. And it was a TV lab class. (laughs) So I'd call my dad on Wednesday. I'm like, well, my weekend's over, but it starts again tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great because yeah. I got to enjoy that last semester of traveling with the basketball team without worrying about my books. Without, right. I got to soak up every bit of it. I got to spend every weekend with my dad and my uncle and just really, really getting to enjoy that last lap. Yep. Oh, that's great.
0: All right. So graduate your fifth year. Yeah. <laughs> um, then where? Back back home?
1: Well, no, I re- initially I went and worked on a high school football show in New Orleans um, just as... A runner, really. I mean, I would go out with a photographer, log the highlights of the game, and get back and tell him which ones to pick. Is this in New Orleans? This is in New Orleans. Okay. My dad was real good friends with the, the best football coach, John Curtis, at John Curtis High School in mm-hmm. uh, New Orleans, and he was the host of the show that they were starting. This was the first year of it. Yep. And so I got to be a part of it in a very but small see, way.
0: I always tell people, it's not that first job, it's not what you know. It's who you know. Oh, that's And exactly. after that, it's all up to you.
1: My dad got me that gig. Yeah. Yeah. And after that, you ran with it. Right. I just,
0: I ran with it yeah, No doubt. (laughs) Okay. So I think within that, you met somebody that meant a lot. Absolutely. So my first, the summer after my first year
1: of college, I was still in my illness big time. Um, I went back to Fort Worth uh, and I, my, my mom helped me get a job. One of her students got me a job at Walmart. They were hiring. Mm-hmm. And I was working
0: in sporting. So you're goods. doing this all at the same time, doing the doing sports and. No, and this work? was
1: this was at in the summertime before, uh, bef- at before this I'm still in college. I wasn't oh, working okay. at a TV station. I'm still. I was a freshman. Just finished my freshman year of college. All right. When I went back and uh, I was one night zoning. That's Walmart term for you know like pulling the and product when you say to the at the finish. Night, what,
0: what time is this?
1: This is late at night. This is after hours. Yeah. So like. 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whatever. And we're straightening up our departments. And one of this, this fella in paper goods comes to me and tells me there's a cashier that wants to meet me. And I'm like, hmm, I hope it's Kim. And so we get on Action Alley. That's the main drag and hear her friend from shoes and her come walking. It was like a showdown. (laughs) We come walking. We meet in the main Action Alley. And uh, I get invited to a Walmart party that night. Which, I wasn't in the inner crew at
0: that point. I was yeah, an outsider. Well, the outsider of the crew?
1: Kim said when she first saw me, she thought I was in management.
0: <laughs> like, because of the way you dressed? <laughs> yeah, because I
1: was out on the duckhead khakis with some <laughs> with some uh, buck shoes and a tie. And
0: So, did you manage to get through the party okay?
1: So, I got to the party, and all, I got totally set up. They, they're they like, well, Kim's got to be home early. And they're like, well, you don't want to leave to take her home. Hook, line, and her, I go, I'll take her. They're like exactly how we planned it. Right.
0: And That was your freshman year summer.
1: That was the summer after my freshman year of college. Summer before her senior year of high school.
0: Okay, but you guys were on and off for a while, right?
1: Well, we dated off and on that summer, and then off and on that next year in college. Then we were then we we committed to be dating. Yeah. And we did that long distance for about three years until uh, I finished college, and then when I moved to New Orleans, uh, that's when we started to drift apart again because she was hopeful that I was going to move back to Fort Worth. She was mad that I didn't move back to Fort Worth, but all my contacts were in Louisiana. Right. Everything that I had worked for in the last few I hadn't lived in Fort Worth since I was 18. Wow. And all those contacts and TV and all that, it was all in New Orleans. So in the summer times, where would you spend most of your summer times? Back in Fort Worth? In, in, in During school, but once I was done, after graduation- I was, I was, I, once I finally, I'd gone back to Fort Worth. Remember when I told you about mm-hmm. the Chris Jackson story? When I'd gone back, I was living, working the night shift at Walmart, right. and that's when I decided, this is enough. I've got to get back to Baton Rouge. And right when I said that, I called my uncle and I said, man, I'm coming back. And he goes, I'll get your job. I hung up. The t- phone rang again. It's a TV station in New Orleans saying, we're adding another show. We could use your help on it.
0: So that's when you went to New Orleans.
1: So well, no, I lived in Baton Rouge because that's where my uncle got my job. So I'd work four days a week at the restaurant in Baton Rouge, and I'd work three days a week at the TV station wow. in New Orleans. Weekends. I well, sometimes whatever they needed me, and I would just crash at my dad's house right. and travel back and forth.
0: So how long were you? How long did you do that for?
1: I did that for probably uh, a year, yeah. and then I finally got enough work in New Orleans where I said I'm moving there. Okay. I, I never had a car when it wasn't football season cuz football season was when I made the most money. So Great. I would buy a car in the fall and then I'd have to sell it in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> and so my credit went wrong cuz I was paying off loans left and sure. right, but I only I had a bus pass in New Orleans. I rode the right. bus and the streetcar to and from the
0: station at the World Trade Center down. Wow. downtown And you met somebody uh, during, uh, what was the station you worked at? WGNO. Yeah, WGNO. What was his name? TJ. There you go. TJ was the production assistant when I
1: met him uh, at the TV station. WGNO didn't do news at the time. They weren't a news affiliate. They just did local programming. And I worked on the high school football show, their Saints sideline show on the New Orleans Saints. And then they had a show called uh, Real New Orleans, which was a magazine show about New Orleans. And that's that's how I met TJ. And you talk about, uh, what a great friend. I mean, he and I were just both trying to make it and, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and trying to get a break somewhere. And I'll never forget, TJ uh, finally got his opportunity to shoot football for Friday Night Football. But he, was, he used to do the Chiron. That's he'd put the scores on the screen and the titles on the interviews. But he finally got a chance to shoot, and he, he comes to me he goes, hey, man, I'm going to bring the boom mic so we can get some really good audio in the huddle. <laughs> and I said, TJ, they're not going to let you on the field in the huddle. Why not? I got a camera. I'm like, dude, that's not how it works. You got to stay on the sideline. It's
0: not the XFL. <laughs>
1: it's not. He was ahead of his time. He yeah. was trying to be XFL before his time. Right. Uh, but TJ became a fast, fast friend. He and Doug Mouton, who was uh, one of the producers there, mm-hmm. uh, man, they took me under their wing, and we just uh, became tight, tight friends. And they showed me the ropes. And, and,
0: and TJ's still shooting.
1: TJ's still shooting in New Orleans, and Doug is a, a sports anchor. Wow. In New Orleans now, and uh, and they're both yeah they're great. And Ed Daniels, Ed Daniels is the one who produced uh, and hosted the f- football show.
0: But he was the uh, the uh, the adult of all the kids. Yeah, he tried
1: he was trying it's about <laughs> right. We used to that was back in the days of pagers, and we used to we used to page Ed Daniels with his own pager number. <laughs> and it just, you got and he'd be. You gotta you gotta put in your number. It doesn't do any good. I know mine. You know, he would he would just be livid. But that's how we'd we'd pick at it. But he put up with us and he taught me a lot. Yeah. Uh he taught he I'd go on shoots with him, he'd teach me things, um, teach me how to how to gather a story, how to put one together, and um gave me just gave me responsibility. They'd say, We need a story on this, go do
0: it. So you you got enough for a reel that they to call in the news business to uh a resume reel. Yeah. So and I enough. sent it everywhere. <laughs> right. And you got a callback?
1: I got a callback to Panama City, Florida. PC. Yes. I got a callback for a weekend sports anchor position.
0: And you are going to go there by yourself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I go for the interview. I drive down there. And they're like, How Why far do you we wanna... drive was that? About four, four and a half hours. Oh, that's it? Yeah. It's just straight down I-10. And uh, I said- um, they said, why do you want to come here from New Orleans? New Orleans is a bigger market. I'm like, I don't have a job in New Orleans. I'm a freelance <laughs> intern, <Right. laughs> basically. Uh, I get paid for an hour. I wore a Warner Brothers Michigan J. Frog outfit for 75 bucks an hour just to make ends meet. Come on. Um, and they're like, why do you want to come here? I'm like, this is an opportunity. And they're right. like, can you shoot? Absolutely. I didn't know how to shoot. <laughs> can you edit? Absolutely. I never did edited. Yeah. I did in school, you know, on occasion, but- uh, in my TV lab class, <laughs> <laughs> but no. But I taught myself on the job, and I and I got the opportunity, and I did that for a year. And they gave me free reign on those weekends to do whatever I wanted, which yeah. is probably scary. On the-
0: <laughs> so you were working weekends. What did you have
1: off during the week? Monday, Tuesday. What did you do then? I used to my another fast friend I met, Brian Davis, was the sports director at the time. Uh, he was younger than I was. Uh, but he had been. He went to school at Florida State. Oh, yeah was from Panama City, so he's back in his hometown, yeah, and so he and I were are great friends we still still very tight to this day uh he he sang at my wedding uh and we we did high school football together, did all the football signings and uh I kind of had free reign to kind of do what I wanted. I did a segment called Easy Does It every Sunday night where I'd take the highlights of the week and mix them in with a movie clip (laughs) from a certain movie. And we only had one newscast on the weekend, so I had all day to put it together. Um, But it was a blast, man. There's there's something about small market TV that's just, everybody's in the same boat. You're all trying to just get that next gig. It's the most fun you'll ever have. Now, were you...
0: In contact with Kim at the time, or
1: no? Kim and I were done. We had we'd been broken up for probably three or four years at that time. Maybe four years at that time, and I had I had a couple of stalkers in, in Florida, so. <laughs> I was just about to get, I didn't know you're not supposed to put your phone in the phone book when you're on TV. I never, I never done, I've never been on TV Trust me in Panama City.
0: I was like, right.
1: I didn't know that. They're like, Tim, you have a listed number? I'm like, yeah, well, why wouldn't I? But then listen, hey, you don't do that. Well, I was just about to go unlisted when I got a phone call from Kim. Wow. And she said, we need to talk. And we did. Uh, I went home for Christmas that year and we, we kind of reconnected and, um, uh, she ended up, we we'd never lived in the same town for more than a summer at a time. So right. I said, "You're going to. I'm not leaving Florida unless I get another gig. So you're going to have to come there. So she moved to Panama City to see if we could coexist in the same town together. And uh, we did. Uh,
0: and
1: um, yeah, the rest is history.
0: I was going to say, but Panama City, I've been to Panama City in the last five years. And it doesn't seem like the same town it was when you were there. Probably not. They had like lots of, lots of restaurants. Now you told me like, well, they
1: had restaurants then, but they also had Club La Vila and Spinnaker.
0: Yeah, well, you told me it was a big big deal when Applebee's came to town.
1: Well, they, they they were growing at the time, right? But it's you know Panama City. There's we found some hidden gems there. Mexico Beach, yep. which is not that that became our oasis because it's just 32 miles away, but a world away. And unfortunately, they were just hit horribly bad with that. Really. They're still recovering from the hurricane that hit there. Mm. Um, hopefully, they can get back soon. But yeah, Panama City. I would. I, I. It was okay. So I did the the weekend sports anchoring for a year, and mm-hmm. the news director Shea Hardy came to me and says, "Would you mind coming to the morning show to break up our news and weather with with whatever it is you do, your goofiness?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Now yeah. <laughs> his consultants were telling him bad idea. There weren't a lot of feature reporters at the time, but he said, "I'm going to do this." Right. I give him all the credit in the world for setting me on the path that I ended up going into. You ATV. wouldn't be here today. It wouldn't no. Be for him. no. If it wasn't for him, giving me a chance and going against the maggot consultants right. who were telling him otherwise. Um, and so I got to, he goes, no, nah, I don't know how to tell you how to do this job because we've never had the position before. So you're going to have to make it up as you go.
0: And I'm like, kind of how the rest of your career went. <laughs> That's exactly
1: right. I'm like, excellent. I can beg for forgiveness instead of asking permission. This is right. awesome. And so- they let me kind of freestyle
0: and just do whatever. And how long were you there for the rest of the time? Till? I did
1: another year and a half. So I was a total of two and a half years. I did one year in sports and a year and a half.
0: And how did St. Louis uh, find you?
1: So I'm, I'm falling in love with this job, right? Mm-hmm. I love doing the morning show, just being able to be be me, basically. And I decided this is what I want to do. But I'm not going to hear about jobs like this because there aren't many of them. Right. So I've got to get an agent. So I sent tapes to every agent I could, th- I could find I just got a list of them and I sent them to all of them and I got a stack of rejection letters, probably a foot high, like sure. not what we do. Great energy, but not us. Don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, And then I got one, one Betsy Mueller. She was an agent that sent me back and said, I'd like to, I, I like what I say. I want to take a chance. I'm like, that's all I'm asking. You're my girl. Mm-hmm. And Betsy is the one who sent the tapes out and sent them to St. Louis and, St. Louis, the first, she sent on the first tape, and I didn't put any news, weather, or sports on that reel because I didn't want that. Right. And I didn't want to advertise myself as something I didn't want to do. I put the wackiest stuff I had, and I put it all on the reel, and I sent it. And St. Mm-hmm. St. Louis called back, and I said, what'd they say? And they said, well, it's different. They want to see more. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got even the wilder stuff. I said, this is, this is who they're getting. Right. And I sent it, and they go, what'd they think? She said, well, this time they showed it to the GM. I'm like, what did he think? I well, thought it was different. I'm like, is that good? <laughs> she said, well, they want you to come in for an interview. So I flew in for an interview. I told Kim, I'm like, will. right, we'll, I'll, we'll see how this goes. And at the interview, it was Rick Urbach, yep. who was the news director at the time, and John Pertsborne, who had just left Channel 5 and was going to be the new anchor for the morning show on Fox 2. Yeah. And we went to dinner. And uh, man, I just loved it. Uh, you know, I loved it, what their, their vision was and what they wanted me to do. And, um, I was getting paid in sunshine in Florida. Right. So This was a huge opportunity. Kim and I got married on June uh, 20th of 98. I started at Fox 2 July 20th of 98. So this was a wedding gift for Are us. you serious? Yeah. I, I mean, never knew that. Yeah. I mean, we had just gotten married when I moved to town. It's like your honeymoon, come to St. Louis. Well, and we, at the wedding, we were able to announce wow. we're moving to St. Louis. And I told Kim, we're going to St. Louis. She said, that's where that Archie is, right? I said, yeah, because <laughs> that's all we knew. Neither one of us had ever been here before.
0: So, I mean... A lot's happening. There's too many people and too many stories to tell in St. Louis, but the one thing is you're still here. Yeah. You had uh, Betsy, right, was your your agent? agent. She Mm -hmm. got you a lot of, she had you you got a job opportunity with CNN. uh, New York called. Yeah, I mean,
1: Betsy, well, I was with Betsy for a while and then I went with another uh, agent and yeah, I got an interview in New York. Number one market in the country. Well, first I got the job in Houston Yep. Alpha. and that was after a year here. Yeah, and I thought Houston, that's perfect. That's right between you. That's two hours from my dad. It's four hours from my mom and Kim's family in Fort Worth. Yep, great location. Um, and they told me when I got there, they said, "Now we feel like we carry the mantle for true journalism around here." So there's going to be a lot of people in this building that don't like what you do. and I'm like, well, there's the red carpet. And they sent me a tape of Yeah, exactly. And they sent me a a tape of their morning show, and I was like, it was really dry. Uh, and I said, Kim, I'm sorry, I know you, you know, had hopes of getting back to Texas and that kind of thing. I said, but it's just not right. And she goes, no, I agree. It's just not right. I c- came to later find out that that was, that station was owned by the same-
0: Company uh, that, channel, channel 4, Channel 5. Yeah. yeah. And
1: they were kind of hiring me out of the market for competition. Reasons. Yep. I didn't know that thing happened. I know. But who knows what would have happened. And then I got a job opportunity in New York and I'm like, number one market in the country. That's where we're supposed to be. Let's go. Went and did a week's audition there uh, on their morning show. Everything went great. My agent's like, they're going to be in touch. They said, we're going to work it out. And then it just kind of went away. Right. And then I had an opportunity at CNN in Atlanta with the Robin Mead morning show. And I was going to do sports, and then they were going to develop some programming for me uh, on the side. Everything went great. I went and did an audition with the morning show, and it just kind of went away. And all these doors, and it's like, man, what what is going on? Yep. And then it, it was at that point when Kim and I just really dug into St. Louis and we're yep. like, this is, what is that, about I about? Two thousand? yeah, about 2001, mm-hmm. um, probably about in 2000, I guess it'd be like 2002, 2003 when we really knew that, that we, we weren't moving around right. and like, and it became evident that God wanted us in St. Louis yep. and like God called us here and we said, you know what, this is, this is where we're supposed to be. And I had a great situation at Fox Two, great people, and the community. I mean, honestly, it could have gone either way when I came here. I could have been—I'm not from St. Louis. It could have been. Yeah. Louis. What high school
0: did you go? Like somebody asked the other day. Yeah. What place, and you're like, I'm not from here.
1: Right. And and it could have been, who's this goofball from out of town? We don't want any part of him. But St. Louis embraced me. I, I I was blessed by the welcome we received here. And from everybody. Yeah. I mean, I just from overwhelmed. All, I mean. Overwhelmed, all, all
0: neighborhoods, all races.
1: Overwhelmed. I mean, I love it, yeah. and and I, and I, I I love this city, and I and I love being a part of it, and being able to. I love the privilege of being invited into people's homes early in the
0: morning while they're getting ready or getting the kids off to school, and. Yeah, how many times did you though drive up Hampton Road, Hampton oh, Avenue, man. and Whew. ask the big man if this is really what you're supposed to do with your life? Is make people laugh.
1: Well, and and I knew that he had. You know, I I talked about the tension in my family before the divorce I was the comic relief then yeah, yeah that was my way of dealing with it as always I mean if I can get people laughing then we can get past this other I'll just and so I trained my whole life for, for that right. part you know and God used it and here's the, that's the interesting thing when any, no matter what we go through God uses all of it you know it, it may well what, what, what man means for for evil God uses for good and when we go through these trials like that He's got, a, he's got a better plan. He's like, I know this is hurtful now, but I'm, but I'm preparing you for something better.
0: It's a pretty wild ride journey. It's like anybody else out there, I think you and I talk about it a lot, that don't ever feel like you're alone, that you're going through something bad yeah. alone. Um, you had some ups and downs and bumps and things, but St. Louis felt more like home. You had kids here.
1: Yeah, all of our kids were born here. We have three children: yep. Hallie, Lexi, and Andrew, and they've yep. all been born here.
0: One's and getting ready to graduate from high school.
1: Yeah, yeah, and one's a freshman in high school. Man, and then Andrew's in seventh grade. Yep.
0: Um, I mean, is there is there something about St. Louis you think, or is it just kind of it just all those other all those other things? You used to tell me there's a reason why the doors are shutting to keep me here in St. Louis.
1: I think it's for a time such as now. I mean, I think it's. Everything led to this, God, God, I didn't know the future, but God knew what was in store. And he knew that on one crazy weekday morning, one of my commuting to Fox 2, that he was gonna call me to the ministry. Right. And I was driving to work, and I was doing my quiet time, because I had three small children at home, and about my only quiet time <laughs> was my commute
0: to work. Yep, that's when you don't drive the, the speed <laughs> limit, that guy's driving slow, what's his problem? I'm taking
1: all the time <laughs> yeah, I get, get. It it's quiet time, leave him alone. And God said, all right, Tim, you've been the spokesperson for everyone and everything else in St. Louis, it's my turn now. Yep. And I just went, it was like he was sitting in the passenger seat right next to me and I'm like, okay. And I got to the station and I called Kim and told her and she's like, I knew this day was coming.
0: Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm the last one to saw it coming. I'm sure your dad saw it too, but. Yeah. The crazy thing was that, but, but then again, that journey took how long, Is that was that four years or was that five years that took?
1: That was, well, all the kids were born, so that was like uh, seven years. Eight years?
0: No, I meant when you went into the ministry.
1: Yeah, well, before I got called to the ministry? Yeah.
0: yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got here in 98. Yeah, but then, no, but once you decided, when you went to the seminary, how long did that take? That's Oh,
1: once I went in it. So after that happened, I started interviewing at the different seminaries to see where I belonged and landed at Covenant, and that took me seven years. So That's what
0: I'm saying. But it sudden, took me he... like
1: seven years before he called me, right, too. Right, And then And then it took another for me to get through it. I mean, it's, uh, and here's the interesting part. When I finally planted a church, we'll get to that in a minute. But when I did, Mm -hmm. uh, my dad's wife, Patty said, can I tell him now? And he, dad said, yeah, you can tell him. And Patty said, I've been wanting to tell you this for a while. And your dad said, I couldn't tell you until this. When you went to seminary, I couldn't tell you until you got a job in the ministry and committed to it. I couldn't tell you, but. When my dad was living in Russell, Louisiana, when he first met Patty, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't know each other very well. But they did; a, they were in a Bible study together. And she called my dad one Saturday morning and said, "Doug, this is Patty. I I know I don't know you real well, but can I, do you have a son?" And he said, "Yeah." She goes, "I knew you had a daughter because I've heard you talk about her. But you, where does your son live?" And he goes, "In Fort Worth." And she goes, "I know this sounds crazy, but I got in my prayer time. God spoke to me and said I need to be praying for your son because he's going to be called to the ministry." <laughs> Now, you that's when told, I was 18. You never told- 18? I, I was still in high
0: school. You are still in the- The, the throws of it. You are still in the cocktail glass, too.
1: And my dad said, I, I felt that, too, but I can't wow. be that voice. Right. I can pray for him in that, but he's got to hear it from God. Right. So that's why he wouldn't let her say anything about it. Wow. And all these people along the way, when I left Panama City to come here, the church I we were attending there- the pastor says, hey, after you tell your dad, let me be the next person you tell when you go into the ministry. Really? And I'm like, psst, that's what my dad does. That's <laughs> yeah. not me. I but on God TV. had a plan.
0: So let's, I know we've talked about like how Virginia started this, um, the thread and everything, but yeah. we're, we're, we are we got to wrap this up pretty soon. We're in about 45 minutes. Um, what's next? You know? The ministry grows, man. The ministry grows. I mean,
1: I'm just trying to be faithful to what to what he's laid out before me. Uh When the thread, when we started the thread, it was obviously God said, I'd been in a church plan. I'd been the pastor for three years and God said, I know you thought your ministry was going to be four walls and a steeple, Mm -hmm. but that's not my plan for you. But you've tried that. I've tried that. And God God had to show me that or I would always long for that. Right. He had to show me that first and show me that that wasn't for me. And then he said, you know, that platform I've given you for 16 years in St. Louis. Now I'm putting you back on that platform and you're going to speak for me and you're gonna do something that's never been done before and it's gonna be done in a different format and I'm gonna use you the way I've created you right. to get my message to
0: shine my light. Right, which is, for people that may have heard this that don't know that The Thread is a TV show, but the the great thing is what Tim's about to take on now is his your nemesis, social media. <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. not, you're not a big fan. I'm not a big contributor. Right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've pushed against the tide of, of wanting people to be more I am such a talker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me in a world of text messages and social media because I like to, I like to talk. Right, right. <laughs> so, I don't fit real well into that system. Like if someone texts me, I call them and they're right. like, "I texted you for a reason." <laughs> yeah, and I called you for right, a reason. Right. Um, but yeah, but I but my goal is to my fear with social media is that we lose connection with each other in an intimate way, right. and we just become a, a a a keyboard on the other side of a river or ocean and or neighborhood or even house mm-hmm. It happens where they're even in their own house that's sure. how they communicate, and I don't want to lose interpersonal communication because I think it's so vitally important, but my hope is now that through the thread through the TV, through our presence on social media, that we can invite folks out from behind those screens and come and join us and get a taste of what community is like yep. and the rich richness of human relationship and the joy to be had
0: therein. Yeah, I think you told me before, sitting down, breaking bread, sitting down and just having lunch with somebody is community.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's so huge.
0: It's just eating with somebody. I mean, or just sitting and having a conversation.
1: I mean, look throughout the Bible. Look what happened at the table. Sure. The table was where... Where where Jesus said, "This is my body broken for you. This this is my blood poured out for you." And we getting him to the table. He was always having meals. He's going to people's. He's he's having. He eats with sinners. You know that was the criticism against him. Right. Yeah, he's having community.
0: Right. Having community. He's
1: calling people to the table, and he's calling people to him. And what my hope is through the thread is that we can not only invite him into community, but we can show him the good
0: news of that. God has called them to community through Jesus Christ. He's called them to be community with them. Well, you mean in bringing some of the talents that you may have, I may have, Sandy may have all yeah. to something to help somebody else. Or they can turn around and help you.
1: Absolutely. And and showing them the potential that they have to do. That's part of what the show's all about is showing these amazing things that people are doing and let you know that, hey, you don't have to step out of your
0: lane to make a difference. You do it right where you are. Right. I'm a good, I, I, I can knit really good. Yeah. And so you so you knit for some. you know, it's not, you don't have to go do something that you're not good at or.
1: It's like in Three Amigos, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> What's the one thing this town can do really well? We can sew. See, you can sew, right. and they make these outlanders outfits to defeat the infamous El Guapo. I mean, but that's it. It's it's right. it's how can we stay in our own lane? How can we do what we do best and make a difference right. and serve others?
0: And it's I think with that you're saying that we just you, if you thread together.
1: Yeah, I mean the power of community. I mean, if we come, we're so much stronger together than we are
0: apart. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, our little conversation, Tim. Uh,
1: I enjoyed the trip. There's, lot more, there's a lot more
0: stories I know that, but um, those are just a few, and I think we took up about forty-eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we could go a lot longer, forty-nine minutes. Um, we'll wrap this one up and uh, thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Y'all have a great one. Thanks for joining us here on The Thread Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more exclusive content, be sure to follow us on social media at TheThreadSTL.